0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I want to hear cannons.
1: Three-step drop, close on the zone. On oh, oh ball, touchdown,
0: Tampa Bay. Mike Evans reaches up with one hand and grabs it in. Here they go again, Timbo Mo dropping the throw, Winston out, and got those to the left. It's intercepted
1: into the 35, outside the numbers to the 40, to the 35, to the 30, to the 25, to the 20, to the 15, 10, Mike Edwards, touchdown Tampa Bay, that's the dagger, my
0: friend. This is the big nasty, yeah, big nasty, of fame Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan, baby, This is Mike Allstock, Tempe Buccaneers, and you're listening to the Cannon Fire Podcast. Cannon Fire Podcast, brother! You ain't
1: listening, and you're missing out. Woo! And then the cannons cannons! Fire them! Keep on firing them! Keep on firing them! Hello and welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new edition of the Cannon Fire Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Rhett Matthew. Joined alongside me, my good buddy and co host for today, filling in for Evan Wanish from bucksnation.com, our good friend, James Hill. James, how are you, my friend?
0: You know, I'm doing good. Thank you for having me on. Uh, exciting times, man. You know, free agency is on, well, technically it's on Wednesday, but it really starts on Monday, right? And a lot of teams you're seeing are making so many different types of moves to get cap compliant or build up more cap space. And a lot of pretty good players have been released in the past couple of days. So it just got even more interesting. So really some exciting stuff. Cannot wait until Monday.
1: Yeah. Speaking of cap compliance, the last time we talked to you guys, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were right around $37 million over the cap following the departures of tight end Cam Bray, running back Leonard Fournette, and offensive tackle Donovan Smith. Since then, Tampa Bay, Jason Light, Mike Greenberg, and all the people in that front office have gone to work. They restructure the contracts of wide receiver Chris Godwin, cornerback Carlton Davis, center Ryan Jensen, and of course nose tackle Vita Vea to create nearly $44 million in cap space. Uh, just as soon as everyone's asking, you know, oh, what are the Bucks going to do to be cap compliant is uh, as soon as we hear about this news, because it wasn't just one thing after the other. All of this pretty much dropped at the same time. So, you know, for a lot of people worried about how the Bucks are going to get back under the cap, uh, worry no more. But the question then becomes, what are they going to do from here? And we're going to talk about plenty of that uh, and catch you up on the latest Buccaneer news today over the next hour or so. But uh, I think the biggest thing to take away from these moves before we get into uh, some more detail here. It's hard to judge what kind of offseason we're about to watch. I still think we have a general idea based off of everything we've talked about up until this point. But it's important to mention that we should expect some more moves in the coming days for the Bucks to create additional space because they still have some impending free agents that they're going to want to deal with. Uh, some guys are going to get paid and you know what? They might not be getting paid by the Bucks. That's okay, But, you know, along with wanting to pay the guys that they want to keep around, they could be looking at some external options as well for certain positions, maybe getting younger at certain places. Um, But it definitely feels like the Bucks finally have some room to breathe regarding the cap situation. And this is something a lot of people have been waiting for, James
0: yeah so that's that's definitely a good thing right we we've talked about it before i know you guys have talked about it here on the channel i've talked about it over on my end as well where the bucks had to get cap compliant it wasn't a matter of oh well you know it'd be nice if they got cap compliant no, it was a matter of they need to get cap compliant that's just a need not a want. so i I believe they're almost there. I know you said that they were. I don't I don't know if they're 100% there yet. I think they're like 3 million over. So, you know, they they basically are, right? You get maybe one or two more restructures done, you're not just cap compliant at that point, but you might have a little bit of wiggle room in there as well. So, like you said, you know, it, it, it's a good thing this is this has happened obviously. There are going to be wanting to bring some guys back, some pretty important guys and they're not going to be able to pay everybody. Jamel Dean's going to be a free agent. He, to be completely honest, there's a pretty likely chance that he's going to go somewhere else. Levante David's going to be a free agent. That's one that's definitely got a lot of people worried. Will Golston and just plenty of other names that are out there, both some starting guys and some depth guys as well that have expiring contracts. And that's probably going to be the first of the Buccaneers priorities is, okay, who can we focus in on bringing back and who are some other guys that, like you said, Rhett, where if we are going to replace them, are we going to be able to bring in some cheaper veteran type options or are we going to have to look at the draft as well for potential replacements as well? So that's going to be the first couple of big questions that need to be answered come Monday or Wednesday or, or Tuesday, whatever it may be, is who are the Bucks going to focus on bringing back out of those pending free agents that they have?
1: Yeah, and, and honestly, we've heard some chatter between uh, the NFL Combine, you know, Todd Bowles, Jason Light, what's been said, whether it's by scouts or not, uh, that, you know, this isn't exactly a rebuild for Tampa Bay. And, and I will agree with that. It is not a full-on rebuild but I do think a lot of that has to do with how well the Bucs have drafted over the last couple of years. And when you look at the guys who are restructuring, you know, these are the new cornerstones of the Buccaneers franchise and, and the veterans who are going to be on this team for the years to come. Vita Vea, Carlton Davis, Chris Godwin, obviously still going to be here on his second season of a three year deal with Tampa Bay. Uh, Mike Evans getting a little bit older, but he is still set to be here under contract for Tampa Bay next season. Let's talk about some of the restructures in particular and highlight those players. Ryan Jensen, 33 years old, is entering the second season of a three-year deal that he signed just last year with Tampa Bay. That deal came after Jensen's first contract with the Bucs, which covered uh, 2018 to 2021. So Ryan Jensen, I know coming off of injury last year, was able to make a remarkable comeback and uh, show some face in that Dallas playoff game he is going to be entering his fifth year as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer in 2023. And, uh, you know, just to kind of sidebar about Ryan Jensen really quick. This is, I mean, the restructure obviously helps, but, you know, this is great value for the Bucs and And it's good that Jensen is proving to be a team-friendly guy. We remember he was pretty close to joining Alex Kappa in Cincinnati before Tom Brady decided to come back. But unlike Leonard Fournette, Ryan Jensen is now proving that he is going to be here beyond the Tom Brady era, so I'm excited to see what a full season and uh, some more stability at the offensive line position can look like next season for whoever the Bucks' quarterback may be, but happy to get a guy like Ryan Jensen back and uh, good to see him take one for the team
0: here. Yeah, you know, I, I think that it's it's obviously good whenever you have leader guys, veteran guys who are re- willing to rework their deals. You know, we, we've seen it before. Guys like Mike Evans have had to do it a few times. Uh, Brian Jensen obviously doing it now. Cam Brait did it, you know, in the past a couple of times as well. It, it's always good whenever you get guys who are willing to make those restructures. I mean, because like you said, Ryan Jensen could have pulled a Leonard Fournette and just said, release me or something along those lines but he didn't and and that's good especially in like the post Tom Brady era like you said Ryan Jensen is and I'm not saying Leonard Fournette isn't like a, a team guy or anything like that but
1: I'll say you know I'll, I'll say it I'll say it uh, I, I mean he'll take no shame in that though um for anyone unaware the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers cruise which I think is now an annual thing uh was it last week I think last week or the week before but they had Jamel Dean Leonard Fournette, Joe Tryon, Shoyinka, a couple of other players that I'm blanking out on right now, but there were plenty of people on that cruise who asked Leonard Fournette why he didn't want to come back to Tampa Bay. And aside from the Tom Brady info that we already knew, he says he doesn't want to split carries. And and I'll be honest with you, I think this is obviously Lenny showing some face because, uh in my opinion, I think the Bucks were going to move on regardless, and maybe he wants to make it seem, you know oh, you didn't fire me, I quit kind of thing by requesting his release. But um, yeah, I'll say it. Leonard Fournette is not a team guy, and uh, that's why he's not here. And luckily, we still have guys like uh, Ryan Jensen and the next guy we were going to talk about as well, Chris Godwin. So we talk about Chris Godwin as part of that big restructure. He is in year two of a three-year deal, which was a pattern for Tampa Bay last season. Russell Gage on a three-year deal, Carlton Davis – Three years. Leonard Fournette and Chris Godwin both on three-year deals as well. It was sixty million dollars for Godwin last off season, coming off of an ACL tear he suffered in late twenty twenty one. He was able to get healthy enough to start the season week one in Dallas, and uh, I know he only got three touchdowns on the year, but the guy came back to get hundred catches and over a thousand yards on the season, which is a hell of a thing to say about Chris Godwin. And if we look at the career history of Mike Evans, who we already mentioned. His history of restructures, you got to think that, you know, if Chris Godwin is the next number one wide receiver for Tampa Bay, once Big Mike finally hangs it up, uh, we could see some more restructures like this in his future as well.
0: Yeah, I I don't think that that would be very surprising. You know, Chris Godwin, I I think, takes a lot after Mike Evans in terms of just being a leader in that wide receiver room and, and just kind of the mentality that he has as a player. And. You know, look, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, still one of the best wide receiver duos in the entire NFL. So they're going to continue to do that. Um, there wasn't any possibility this offseason of the Bucks moving on from one of those guys just because of the dead cap numbers and stuff like that. So a restructure was really one of the big ways the Buccaneers could go ahead and create some more cap space with that. Godwin signed a big contract last offseason, I believe. Correct. So. You know, it is just an idea whenever guys sign big contracts like that, chances are that eventually there's going to be a restructure somewhere in that timeline of their deal, or maybe they just get released outright. So that's kind of what you're seeing here with a lot of these restructures is it just kind of happens for a lot of teams and for a lot of players. And thankfully, the Buccaneers have had a few guys who have been willing to do that.
1: Yeah. And something important to mention before we talk about this last guy, part of the restructure is... uh You know, it's 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 not reallocating money. It's more so moving money around, but I don't want it to be, you know, misconstrued here. People should be well familiar with this concept. If you have listened to the podcast or you have followed the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at all over the last two or three seasons. But when you restructure a contract, you don't necessarily like change anything crazy about it. You just change when you pay this player his money. So the Bucks obviously still have some time. And not let's not forget that in 2024 the cap space for all the NFL is going up. Those billion dollar TV deals are finally coming into effect, which means the Bucks are going to be in a much better situation. I'm not sure what the projected number is, but like I'm pretty sure they're going to have over sixty five million dollars in cap space just, you know, ready to go next offseason. Are they going to be looking for another franchise quarterback? I don't know. We'll cross that bridge when we come Ooh. to it.
0: But uh go ahead, James. Yeah, well, that's something I want to point out too is like if you look at future cap space numbers for the Bucks, like after this offseason, you know, obviously they're gonna be spending money to bring guys back, but like they're not in a bad situation after this year, Rhett. Like yeah. they're gonna have a pretty significant amount of cap space next year, and then it just gets better and better as the years progress on. So, like, you know, people can always say, Oh, they're kicking the can down the road, gotta pay the piper. And and that is completely understandable. That's what's happening this offseason, but After this offseason, they're not in the worst situation in the world in terms of cap space. You also got to consider, you know, heck, if they draft a quarterback, if they have a cheaper veteran option, then that's not going to be taking up a significant amount of cap space either. So that's always important to factor in. So, you know, yeah, definitely a lot of cap gymnastics this year. But um, in the following years, it's it's not going to be as difficult for the Buccaneers, I would say, to really rework and, and have to do as many gymnastics to get you know, a better cap space number. And even more so because of the hits they're taking this year, right? I mean, I
1: know Tom Brady, a lot of people are going to look at that in negative light, the way he filed his papers and pretty much sent the Bucks $35 million in dead cap. But the way that they've navigated it, they were going to have to pay for that at some point. So as tough as it has been to swallow for a lot of people who get attached to certain players, you know, the bucks, were going to have to pay for it. And this year they are paying for it, but it's going to set them up even better next season. Because if I'm not mistaken, the way that the two year uh, plan was split up with the rest of Brady's dead money, it would have been 11 million this season. And then 24 million next season. I wasn't sure if they had the option on that, whether it was the 24 this year, 11 next year, or vice versa. Do you happen to know in particular? Um,
0: no, not not necessarily off the top of my head. I believe it was the idea like they would have like what you just said. They would have like taken a chunk of it and put I, it. I know,
1: I know for sure they would have taken a chunk of it. I just can't remember if it was the 24 mil or the 11 mil this year. But I want to say it was the 11 mil this year. I could be wrong, though. So take that with a grain of salt. Real quick, checking in on the live chat here. Brent Allen of uh, the Pewtercast cast says, but that's what makes Jason Light's contract so good He gets out of guaranteed money early. That way he can cut with no dead cap if they wanted to. Or if they want to keep him, they can restructure without worrying about building it all into one year. And if there's ever a season to pay the Piper and still feel like you can at least be somewhat competitive, this one is it. Hit the nail right on the head there. Um, Shout out to Brent from the Pewter cast. Hoping to see that back sometime soon. I know we were teased a little bit at the start of last year and obviously some things get in the way, but I'm um, glad you're still here hanging out with us, man. So the last guy in this restructure, or actually the second to last guy in this restructure that I wanted to talk about is of course the big nose tackle Vita Vea. that made some changes to his contract, freeing up around $9 million in cap space. And uh, this is another guy that they just signed last off season. I think if not a little bit before the end of the season, uh, was the deal that they made with Vita Vea, and that's longer than a three year uh, three year deal for sure. So with a longer contract with a lot more money too, uh, with a big guy like Vita Vea, it does make it a little bit easier to move some of that money for the later years on that contract. But again, you know another young, what could be cornerstone player for this Tampa Bay Buccaneers team headed into the future. Guys like Vita Vea, guys like uh, Carlton Davis, which we'll talk about again. I know Ryan Jensen is 33 years old, but Chris Godwin in that conversation as well. So some positive reinforcements and uh, some good team-friendly guys. So here we go. Carlton Davis. Davis also signed a three-year extension last offseason, and he is entering his second season of it. While he didn't have the best season of his career last year, he still played at a pretty high level and provided consistency throughout the season. Opposite fellow cornerback, Jamel Dean Carlton Davis has been playing like a number one corner. The Bucks played him to play like one. And again, while 2022 was not his best season by any means, he earned the contract and the way that he played last year, you can still trust him to be a number one corner on this team. Now, let's get into the conversation about potential free agents for Tampa Bay. So I I think truthfully where we are going to see the biggest changes on this team are going to be in the secondary. And uh, I wanted to wrap up with Carlton Davis because that brings the conversation right into Jamel Dean. And in my opinion, as much as we like Jamel Dean, I think he's going to get paid and I don't think it's going to be by Tampa Bay. And uh, I, I think the allocation of resources for the Buccaneers to to put together enough cap space to re-sign a couple of guys. I think that might be a space reserved for a Levante David. Truthfully. I, I think Jamel Dean's going to go get paid. You know what I mean? I think Jason Light is looking at some of these pieces and uh, he's saying, bring it on because, you know, we're totally fine with uh, shedding, some, shedding some weight in certain positions. So again, I know it's going to hurt, but um, I think Levante David comes back and I think Jamel Dean is another departure for this Buccaneers team and free agency. I know they said Levante is going to test the market, and I do think that's true. I know there's demand, even though he is, uh, what, 33 years old, still one of the perennial linebackers in the league. What do you think about Jamel Dean and Levante David in particular? How do you see that shaking out?
0: Well, firstly, you know, like in the case of Jamel Dean, he's going to get paid. You know, I think his expected market value is around 16 and a half million dollars, something along those lines. So and it's, it's understandable as to why he's a very good cornerback. The Buccaneers have been very fortunate to have him as their number two cornerback for as long as they have. He has shown great development and has really turned into a number one cornerback essentially so he's going to get paid and i said it earlier in this show unfortunately i don't believe the tampa bay buccaneers are going to be that team just due to all the limitations that they have in their cap space this off season so I fully expect a guy like Jamel Dean to go off into free agency and get paid by a team that is going to need cornerback help. Who will that team be? I have no idea. There can be a lot of different types of teams that could use the services and can afford the services of Jamel Dean. So that is what that is. And honestly, we may see a deal done as early as Monday, Rhett, in terms of Dean getting paid Uh, Kind of very similar to what we saw with a guy like Jordan Whitehead, just twice as expensive, basically, where he went and signed with the New York Jets. Could see, I believe we will see a very similar situation with Dean. Now, in the case of Levante, David, I do also believe that the Buccaneers are going to prioritize bringing him back. And there has been that report that David is going to test the free agent market. That is understandable as to why that would be the case. David, he is 33 years old depending on what teams may or may not be interested in him, could factor in a lot. Does David want to go and try and win another Super Bowl before the end of his career, since he has already won one with his hometown team? That is something that you legitimately have to consider there if you are Levante David and making that type of decision. If if the Super Bowl contending team offers you $10 million and the Buccaneers offer you $10 million, Well, that's going to be a very tough decision that has to be made there. But I do agree with you in saying that, yeah, I think at the end of the day, Levante David is still hopefully going to come back to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and finish out his career. It's very rare when that happens, even greats like Warren Sapp, Gerald McCoy, John Lynch, some of those other guys have gone and played at other places after they left the Buccaneers. The only two guys where it didn't happen were Rondé Barber and Derek Brooks, but even Derek Brooks got released. He just didn't sign with anybody else and play anywhere else. So I think that David would want to be one of those guys. Right. That does play his full career and finishes his full career with the Buccaneers. But there are still kind of some factors in there that may change that trajectory, if that makes sense. But but I think that the Buccaneers, I would say that in terms of all their free agents, ones that they can realistically re-sign, Levante David has got to be at the top of that list for sure.
1: Yeah, the Bucks are obviously committed. I, I think the Bucks have said everything they need to. They are committed to Levante David. Now, there's a couple of guys that I have seen uh, who say they have sources. I'm not going to discredit them or credit them one way or the other. But they are reporting that obviously a deal is being worked on. And for the Buccaneers right now, what they can afford is something in the two to three million, uh, two to th- excuse me, two to three year range. Not two to three million, of course, but something around two to three years is is what they would try to expect. Uh, the Bucks to bring back Levante David on. I think that's pretty fair as far as what other teams would offer him as well. And again, for 33 years old at linebacker in the NFL, you got to be pretty damn good to come out here and, and garner 10, 11, 12 million dollars. And that's exactly what Levante David has come to do. He has been the epitome of consistency in this Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense. And I'm going to be honest with you, if we lose Levante David, man, oh, I don't want to get emotional, but like that's the one player that really, like, it, I, I've watched this man's whole career. You've watched this man's whole career. A lot of people listening have watched this man's whole career. And if there is one player on this defense, you know, that I do not want to see in another uniform, it would be Levante David. Uh, if the Bucks don't want to pick up Devin White's fifth-year option and he's getting ready to make $100 million somewhere else, I am totally at peace with that. When he was posting cryptic things on social media a couple of days ago, I was ready to say trade him while you still can. Um So, with that being said, you know, I don't want to lose Levante David. The Bucs are committed, and uh, David has said before that, you know, he does want to retire a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. And I think a guy like that, a guy who played on so many shitty defenses, he deserves to go out. I don't want to say it's an honor, because not all of those guys won Super Bowls, but he deserves to be one of those guys who you know plays his entire career as a tampa bay buccaneer and the fact that he was able to get a championship makes it all the sweeter maybe he can get another one if he plays for two three more years and you know the bucks really nail a quarterback i don't know wishful thinking but that's a guy i don't want to lose for sure
0: yeah and one one thing you've got to consider too is that not even just you know the emotional loss of losing levante david but like the player loss i mean levante david is still one of the best players and, on this buccaneers defense and not to interrupt you not to interrupt you i was just reading chat and a lot of people mentioned
1: it it's a business right levante david obviously maybe wants to get a little more exposure on the way out he got his championship he's gonna be in the ring of honor he's gotten his contracts from the team you know what does he owe the bucks nothing really he, he really doesn't owe the bucks a damn thing but um you know this is just it's it's the selfish side of me that does get emotionally attached to a guy like this, because he, he has been everything that you drafted this guy to be, and then some.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree 100%. And, you know, it, it, it would be incredibly tough to replace levante david for everything that he does as a coverage linebacker is just a pure tackler leader captain of the defense like that would be pretty tough to replace you do have devin white there who is i would say a strong leader and obviously a team captain and all those different types of things but levante david's just availability his tackling ability his coverage ability That is where you're really going to find it difficult to replace, in my opinion. Um, And just his instincts, just everything that he does, you know, as a player, he's still one of the best linebackers in the entirety of the NFL. And that would be just as big of a concern, if not a bigger concern, than just the emotional feeling of losing Levante David is, oh, crap, we just lost one of the best players on our defense. Uh, Whenever you look at a guy like Jamel Dean, you know, they could bring back Sean. And I'm not saying it, it would be you know, super easy to replace Jamel Dean. But I would certainly say it's going to be easier than replacing Levante David just because of the amount of value that David brings to the defense.
1: And and I think something a lot of people miss, and we're going to move on here in a minute. This is the last point I wanted to throw out there as far as Levante David goes. I think the biggest difference in losing a Levante David to a Jamel Dean, uh, to further your point, we have Carlton Davis. We have a number one corner. Right? When you look at the linebacker core of this Bucks team, the anchor has been number 54. And it doesn't matter who he's playing next to. It could be Mason Foster. It could be Danny Lanzana. It could be Quan Alexander. It could be Devin freaking White. But if the Bucks move on from Levante David, I would expect them to pick up Devin White's fifth-year option. I would expect them to pay a pretty ridiculous amount of money for Devin White. Not saying that they're overpaying because he's headed into a make or break here. He's got some time. I like Devin White. He's just, I don't like him as much as Levante David. Um, You know, if, if the bucks move on from Levante David and they do not pursue Devin White, you're about to watch this linebacker core of this Bucks defense become a concern because nobody has talked about it because it has not been a concern for 12 seasons seriously it does not matter who you have playing next to 54 they're going to be a better player because of it and that's the hill that I'm ready to die on I don't want to lose uh, Levante David I know some other people agree with me I know some other people are a little flabbergasted you know some 30 plus year old guy is the best player on your defense that's kind of odd but I, I don't think that speaks to the level of defense the Bucks have I think that speaks more so to the type of player Levante David is.
0: I mean, a 44 year, 45 year old quarterback was the best player on the offense, and yeah, that, and that offense worked, sucked. And that well, and that worked out pretty well for the Bucks in the past couple of years. Oh, yeah, so. 2020,
1: 2021 for sure. I will agree with you there. Um, checking in on the chat real quick, Kevin the moderator, says inside linebacker could arguably be the Bucks' biggest need this offseason if Levante leaves and the Bucks decide to not commit to Devin White. Exactly what I'm saying, my man. Mr. Wright says Vita V and Winfield Jr. are the only that would be safe, in my opinion, on this defense. That's a pretty solid point. Uh, Charles Jansen with a good question. Do you two think Zion McCollum improved enough last year to become a starting cornerback? We had hinted at this uh conversation, you know, with the departure of Jamel Dean questions left with Sean Murphy Bunting, who is a free agent, but I, I think he sticks around because I don't think his market is that good. Uh, but another Buccaneers draft pick from previous seasons, Zion McCollum. While we have praised Jason Light for uh, his home runs, it was a pretty rough rookie season for Zion McCollum last year. It seemed like every time he was in the game, he was just getting picked on. Uh, he did start to improve towards the end of the season, but I think that was just trial by fire and and really you know trying to get his feet wet. But could you see him taking up you know, uh, a cornerback three, maybe cornerback four spot
0: next year for the entire season. I would say, you know, to to comment on Charles' thing where he said, you know, if is he good enough to be a starting corner, I'd say probably not yet. Um, I, I definitely, I think you'd have to see improvement in training camp and the off season program to to feel more confident about that. Because, you know, as you, as you said, Rhett, based on what we saw the previous season, it was a pretty decent struggle there for McCollum and and people knew that that was going to be the case coming in. McCollum was a pretty raw prospect, great athlete, um, but, but definitely needed some time to adjust to NFL speed and NFL levels and stuff like that. So, you know, I'm going to say you can't go in to next season, confidently saying that, yeah, McCollum can be the number three or number two corner. I I agree more with what you say we're saying, like, hey, if he's your number four guy, I think that that's something that that you can feel pretty good about just based off of some of that growth that you saw at the end of the year and some flashes of some good cornerback play. And I would say that, yeah, you can give him the opportunity to battle for a cornerback three job, but I think that he's not there yet. You know, and that could change by the end of training camp and preseason and whatnot. But right now, I would fully expect the Buccaneers to draft another corner, maybe in the higher rounds, definitely maybe bring back Sean Murphy Bunting, like you said, and possibly explore the idea of bringing in maybe a veteran free agent or two somewhere down the line as well.
1: Yeah, and a good counterpoint here by our, uh, by our buddy Charles in the chat. He he asks, what was Rondé Barber's rookie season like? And and for the uninformed the latest Tampa Bay Buccaneers Hall of Famer. I don't think it took Rondé Barber until year three or four to really kind of get it together and, and start to carve out a role as, as the team's number one corner. Um, I heard Rondé Barber say himself one time that he was scared he was going to get cut. He was scared he was going to lose his job and, and be left behind uh, after that first you know season and a half. He, he really was having doubts, but we obviously saw the development. We saw him eventually revolutionize the cornerback position. And uh, all of his efforts rewarded him with a gold jacket following, God, seven years, eight years, nine years of eligibility. What was it, 2015, 16? Uh, well, he retired 2012? I believe so, yes. it was either 12 or 13. So I think it was 2016. Hmm. I think it was 2016 or 17 that he was eligible, but regardless, uh, it is long overdue. So, you know, to compare Rondé Barber to Zion McCollum does seem a little rushed, but development takes time, especially with these, uh, these young cornerbacks. You know, Carlton Davis, it took him a long time to really start playing like a number one corner, you know. Took him a couple seasons at most. So excited to watch the development of Zion McCollum, and we will obviously keep you updated every step of the way. Yeah, six years of eligibility, he retired in 2012, so 2018 was the first year he was eligible, and uh, finally, except, you know what, Rondé, he might have been stiffed, but he wasn't stiffed like uh, John Lynch. Man, John Lynch was, um, had to wait even longer than Rondé did, now that I think about it, I didn't realize it was that recent for Rondé Barber, so, on the previous episode, have either signed... Or uh, may or may not have different plans now that the Carolina Panthers have traded up for the number one overall pick in the 2023 NFL draft. So the question a lot of people were asking as far as Chicago and that number one pick was, what are they going to do? You know, are they going to trade Justin Fields, try and take on some more and then just have this crazy draft? Are they going to really trade away that number one pick to get some more resources and, and try and bring in some help? For Justin Fields, are they ready to commit? Well, I, I think they're ready to commit. They went and got DJ Moore and um, you know a couple of other picks from the Carolina Panthers. So it'll be interesting to see what Chicago does, but most importantly, it'll be even more interesting to see what Carolina does because uh, you know a big theme coming into this offseason in particular is who's going to win the quarterback contest in the NFC South right now because. Three out of four teams still need a quarterback. The New Orleans Saints, a little bit earlier this week, signed former Raiders quarterback Derek Carr. So that ship has sailed. He is now a New Orleans Saints. Actually, if I'm not mistaken, talking to the local media up there in New Orleans right now. And then uh, Carolina in prime position to draft their future franchise quarterback. And uh, I... I, I, I I guess let's just get into it. You know, we'll kind of go around the horn here. I wanted to talk with you, James, about all the hype behind Anthony Richardson. You saw it in person. You were at the draft or I'm sorry, you were at the combine up there in Indy. This guy's breaking all the records. One of the most athletic quarterbacks in the history of the game. If not just the highest graded percentile you can get as far as uh, athleticism goes he joins the ranks of RG3 and a couple of other guys who obviously panned out to have very long and successful NFL careers. Um, I may have been facetious when I said that, but yeah, what the hell is going on with Anthony Richardson? Because as a Florida Gator fan, I, I didn't have an ounce of belief in this kid at the end of the college season. Uh, I knew he was going to impress and shorten T-shirts at the NFL combine. And that's exactly what happened. But this is a guy that everyone said might be falling out of the first round who is now being talked about as a potential number 1 overall pick. Holy hell, are you kidding me? Do you think the Panthers could really go after Anthony Richardson or I mean there's got to be other better quarterbacks, right? I'm not I'm not crazy right now. <laughs> I'm not losing my mind that Anthony Richardson is now the most talked about quarterback in the country or, or what do you think the uh, the Panthers are going to do? With that number one overall pick, I know that that was a lot of information and a lot of questions, but I, I just want to make sure we we try and wrap around everything as much as we can. What do you
0: think of this madness, James? Yeah, so so first was fine to get your franchise guy, you know, like I feel like that is a a reasonable compensation. What do you think?
1: I I think something that you know again not a lot of people are talking about is the fact that. The Panthers are literally throwing it all out there. Like they're not just, you know, they're not just going after some free agent. I hate to say that, but like they're not just going after uh an Aaron Rodgers who is in the twilight of his career. They're not just going after some other free agent quarterback where you kind of know what you're going to get. They're throwing it all out there to say, "Hey, there is a quarterback in this draft that we like enough that we want to make our uh make our franchise guy." And you look at the staff that they have built You know Frank Reich and the rest of the guys on that staff are incredibly quarterback friendly, and I think that they are going to do a really good job with whatever young raw rookie they come out with at uh, at number one overall. But I don't think they overpaid. I I know that it does seem like a lot, and it is a pretty rich deal. Don't get me wrong, but it's like you're taking a chance, and if this is what your coach wants to do, you, you know what better way to find out what they're made of than. To really see if you can develop this thing from the ground up, because the Panthers do have a great core, especially on defense. Like I don't think enough people were talking about how good their defense is after last season, but they can make it happen. I do think it sucks they got rid of DJ Moore because he's a stud, but like I mean, aside from a couple of receivers, if they can land on this quarterback, they they could end up heading into this season as uh, you know the team between New Orleans to to really try and take this division.
0: Now, the second question I have for you, and and I'll and I'll talk about Anthony Richardson now, and then you let me know at the end who you think the Panthers are gonna take number one overall because, you know, going into the combine, I thought, you know, oh, man, Anthony Richardson's gonna, you know, he'll be good at the combine. He's a freak athlete for sure, but you know, I was skeptical, right? And then I saw the combine, and I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> this man is insane you know what did he run a 3, 40 yard dash that's insane for a guy who is six foot five 245 pounds and the thing the drills that i paid attention to the most because i get it people were like oh he's gonna be athletic of course we know able to you know really really get the job done and really able to just showcased some great ability, especially on the deep ball, man. I thought that his deep ball looked really good, just looked flawless in terms of his release. Looked like it was easy, him throwing the deep ball there. So all in all, like I thought he had a fantastic showing. Now, was it good enough to be number one overall? I don't know. You have Bryce Young there. You have C.J. Stroud, who C.J. Stroud looked amazing as well, by the way. It was really interesting between the, the difference between Stroud and Richardson throwing was with with Stroud. It was almost like the dude has just been conditioned like this is how you play accurate quarterback. And with with Richardson, it was almost like um just more loose style of play right that was kind of how i saw it so i i do think that all cards are on the table essentially for who that number one guy is going to be the panthers obviously have their pick now they can make it anybody um and maybe Richardson is going to be in that conversation because he has those traits and he definitely did better at throwing the ball at the combine than I I thought he was going to do and probably a lot of people thought he was going to do as well so I think it is a legitimate possibility but Red I want to know myself personally though I still think that it's probably going to be Bryce Young but it would not surprise me if they took Stroud or Richardson Levis I've seen people say Levis no I mean Levis is a fine quarterback um but I don't think he should go number one overall. What do you think, Rhett?
1: Our, our buddy uh, Richard T. hanging out with us all the way in L.A. Early morning for him. He makes a great point in chat. He says, Frank Wright comes from the Andy Reid coaching tree, so you know he wants someone as close to Pat Mahomes as possible, athletic, and a strong arm. And just like you said, when you compare a guy like C.J. Stroud and Anthony Richardson, to me, Anthony Richardson is, is C.J. Stroud without the finesse right without that that playmaking ability not to say that Richardson can't make plays but there's just a different level between those guys and I don't entirely know how to describe it I I think mentally they're on two different levels and um, I think just being in that moment having to step up having to make that big play when your team needs you the most I I think that's what separates those two players Uh, So I think CJ Stroud should more than uh, should more than be considered for that number one overall pick. If you are Carolina, because when you take Anthony Richardson, I feel like you take on so much more of a project. And I I felt this way as a Gators fan coming out of the end of last year. You know what I mean? I really thought, really thought another year under Billy Napier would have done him wonders. But, um, you know, obviously it is what it is. And. And here we are, can't do anything about it now, just a couple of weeks away from the NFL draft, excited to see what happens. But yeah, the hype with Anthony Richardson has been incredible. And uh, that's obviously going to be something to monitor. So we talk a little more about the quarterback situation for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You know, I I think looking at the Bucs, my opinion hasn't changed very much since the last time we talked to you guys. I, I still think it's going to be Kyle Trask given a legitimate chance to win the job from a veteran quarterback who that veteran quarterback is going to be. I don't know, but he's going to be cheap. And uh, in my opinion, in a perfect world, it would be Gardner Minshew on a one year prove it deal for like three, $4 million. Right? Because a lot of these backups just want to play. Like we've been, uh, we, we've been, we've been hearing the news all week about Aaron Rodgers because he loves it that way. He loves keeping himself in the limelight. And now we have heard that everything is put together for a trade between the Packers and the Jets. It's just up to Aaron Rodgers at this point. So as long as he dominates the new cycle, he's probably going to make everyone keep waiting so they can keep talking about him. But behind Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay, you've got Jordan Love who wants to play and didn't look awful when he st- when he stepped in for Green Bay uh these last couple of seasons. So He's going to be ready to go. Is he going to be ready to you know, get paid the one-year prove-it deal that the Bucs would put him on, three, four mil a year? I don't know. I don't think so. But I can't imagine his market is that great. Maybe there's other teams who would pay more. But Jordan Love is a name who enters the fold now. Believe it or not, this one is, I mean, this is a pipe dream. Don't even think about this guy in a Buccaneers uniform. Hopefully this doesn't age terribly. But Dak Prescott is now potentially a quarterback some other teams could be looking for because I saw a report yesterday that said he has quietly voiced his frustrations um, with the Cowboys. And that's the extent that I know. I don't even know how serious that is. Dak seems like he's going to be the guy in Dallas, but you never know. He could enter the fold as well. What do you think of the quarterback situation though, James? What do you think is going to happen? Do you think it's going to be Kyle Trask and a veteran quarterback or do you think the Buccaneers could uh let all those guys go and wait around till draft night and and really look towards the future of this franchise? What do you think here?
0: Um, I would say it's more likely that they bring in a veteran. Now, I'm not going to completely shut down the idea heck for all we know Rhett, they could do both they could bring in a veteran free agent and draft somebody in the draft uh just to cover as many possibilities as they can but i agree with your your take there whenever you say that like hey trask is going to get a legitimate chance the buccaneers have not shied away from that at all whenever whenever you look at uh the idea of trask and um him getting a legitimate shot you know i do think that's a possibility you look at jason light he has said that he wants to give trask a legitimate shot similar things with todd Bowles, right and they could do both that's a legitimate thing and i think that whenever you look at veterans i think all names are going to be considered you know baker mayfield garner Minshew, carson wentz taylor heineke that i fully expect them to cast a <coughs> james <laughs> Winston
1: well (laughs) no no you don't think uh, you don't think you don't think listen all right uh well maybe maybe it gets a
0: could you imagine the war of florida state and florida fans if Jameis winston signed back with the bucks and then they had to oh my gosh no that that's just not i don't recommend that I don't recommend Listen, that. Listen, I just want to put this to bed right now because in the coming days, we're going to
1: have an answer. Jameis Winston is either going to be a free agent or he is going to be back with the New Orleans Saints as they officially extended a contract offer towards him to be their quarterback too, to be their backup, because clearly they got after Derek Carr. Um, for a lot of the people asking about this, there's, there's two names that I think about in the Buccaneers' quarterback sweepstakes who I 100% for sure can tell you will not be playing in a Bucks uniform next year. One of those is Jameis Winston. Um I don't even think it's from the Bucks perspective. I'm sure if like the Bucks and Jameis had you know had had shook hands and 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 their relationship ended all fine and dandy, that'd be one thing, but it didn't. Um Jameis Winston does not want to come play for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers again because they told him they don't feel like they can win a championship with him, which is why they went to go after Tom Brady. Jameis Winston uh, was not behind door number one, nor door number two for the Bucks. So with that being said, Jameis will not be back. $5 super chat from our buddy Matt Diaz says, Hey, Phillip Rivers apparently thought about coming back. Just saying, yeah, for anyone uninformed, uh, Phillip Rivers had reached out to, I believe, both the San Francisco 49ers, and I want to say either the Rams or the Panthers at the tail end of last year, but there were a couple of teams he was calling up seeing if they still needed some help. Uh, after that year that he had in Indianapolis, I will pass on Phillip Rivers. I don't think that's going to be a very good move for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, and the other guy that I wanted to talk about is Lamar Jackson. Uh, a lot of people asking in the chat, do you think there's a chance the Bucks could go after Lamar Jackson? And the fact of the matter is, uh, no, no, I, I don't. I mean, could they? Sure. If they really, really, really wanted to. But you're you're talking about... For a free agent like Lamar Jackson, in the situation that he is now, it would have to be a sign-and-trade with Baltimore. The Bucs would have to take on a pretty hefty contract. And uh, Lamar wants all that money guaranteed, which the Bucs are not in a position to do. Now, again, they could mortgage everything they have to possibly make this guy happy, but he's not going to have any help. He's not going to be throwing the ball to any good wide receivers. He's not going to have that great of a defense helping him out. Um, so I just don't think it's going to happen. I, I, I really don't. Um, you know, I, I know that he's from Florida and he wants to play in Florida and, and that Florida team is going to be Miami, even though they just picked up to his fifth year option. That doesn't mean anything to me. Um, but I don't think it's going to be Tampa Bay for Lamar Jackson. I just, I think that's the one thing that is next to impossible for the bucks to do. Uh, if they wanted to try and make it an earnest effort, would you agree? Or do you have other thoughts?
0: I'd at least bring him in for a visit. Oh, just to get the people talking, right? Well, not just that, but also, I mean, look, I understand that you'd have to give up a lot, right? I completely understand that. Would the Buccaneers have to jump through 30 more hoops? Absolutely. I mean, this is this is this is an entire shift in your
1: franchise. Like you are letting go of everything to say, hey Lamar, we believe in you. Like we don't believe in these other schmucks that we just let go. We believe in you to take us to the promised land because outside of Lamar, there's not going to be very much in Tampa Bay to allow him to take this team to the next level if that's what were to happen.
0: Right. So you you would have to make some pretty difficult decisions, but I mean, it's you got to think about it, Rhett. That I mean, like I, I'm not saying it's going to happen I, again. I it's it not puts butts happen. in seats it does but also i mean that's your guy for the next 10 plus years he's 26 right now so i mean i would at least see you know at least if i was you know at least do your due diligence you know just at least see what the heck's going on in that situation because the thing is right now is that he 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 received the um non-exclusive franchise tag so any team that offers him a a offer sheet and if the ravens do not match it then that team would get Lamar Jackson, but then they would have to give up two first round picks. I would have no problem giving up two first round picks for Lamar Jackson if I'm the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Because again, when he's healthy, top five player in the league, period. I mean, that's that's what you'd be getting. So I say at least do your due due diligence and maybe at least bring him in for a visit because – how often does a guy like this even get a chance to talk to other teams? So I would at least bring him in for a visit. I'm not saying anything would happen, but at least look into it a smidge is what I would say. One
1: more quarterback prospect I wanted to go over before we get into the offseason mock plan that we have for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, I've seen a mention in the chat, and this is more of a quarterback option that... Keeps everything on the table, which is what you had mentioned a little bit earlier, but it's a different situation than drafting in Anthony Richardson at 19 if he's there or trading up for someone or getting one of these other first round picks. This guy could be the future of your franchise, but there's a lot of moving parts here, and uh, you'll know exactly what I'm saying when I say his name. That is Tennessee quarterback Hendon Hooker, who is still a first round projected quarterback, but torn ACL. Pretty tough injury to bounce back from. It's going to take him some time, which means if you draft a Hendon Hooker, I have to imagine that no matter what, Kyle Trask is going to win that job. Um, so again, it gives Kyle Trask a fair chance to win the job from whatever backup they may bring in if they were to draft Hendon Hooker. And then if Trask doesn't work out, then you got Hooker on the bench. If Trask does work out, well, then I guess you're SOL because you just spent a first, potentially second round pick on another quarterback who you have no idea what you're going to do with. So what do you see? uh, You know, what do you see with Hendon hooker in Tennessee? Is that an option for
0: Tampa Bay and uh, why or why not? Yeah. So, I mean, that was kind of somebody I really focused on at the combine. He obviously was not working out, but I did get to hear him speak, posted a little bit about it on Twitter and whatnot. And he did have a formal, formal interview with the bucks. I got to ask him about that and he did get to meet with the bucks. So, that was very huge and i like hendon hooker a lot to me and some people might not agree with this but i would have no problem with the buccaneers trading back or even possibly trading up into the end of the first round to pick up a guy like hendon hooker i think that that dude has got the poise the ability the leadership that you want to see in a quarterback and i'm not knocking kyle trask i like kyle trask a lot um and i think that he also has great qualities and can be a starting caliber quarterback. I'm just saying that if the Buccaneers wanted to bring in a rookie guy, I think that Hennon Hooker is a really, really solid option that would deserve some legitimate consideration. I really am a big fan of Hennon Hooker. I think that he has the ability to be one of the top quarterbacks in this class. If he wouldn't have gotten injured, I think he would have been a first round pick. He's been learning from guys like the Manning brothers. Bob uh, Peyton Manning obviously went to Tennessee. So that's huge. You know, that's huge. So I think that Hendon Hooker really is not necessarily a slept on quarterback in this draft because there has been definitely some buzz about him. But again, I I, I really do enjoy Hennon Hooker's ability as a leader and just as his overall mentality as a player, I think is phenomenal. Definitely something to monitor
1: again, as we are closing in on the 2023 NFL draft. It'll be interesting to see what the Buccaneers do currently hold the 19th overall pick, but just like the number one overall pick things could always change. So we'll keep you updated every step of the way. Keep it locked right here. So we're going to wrap up this week's podcast with a special treat for you guys. Just a couple of days away from the start of NFL free agency, the legal tampering period begins on Monday and then free agency itself begins on Wednesday, the 15th. It's going to be exciting, but courtesy of our good friend, Evan Wanish, the Philly Bucks fan from BucksNation.com, We have got the Cannon Fire podcast off season Call it a battle plan. Yeah, the the 2023 Tampa Bay Buccaneers Cannon Fire Podcast Battle Plan, courtesy of Evan Wanish at Boxnation.com. Excited to get into this. Unfortunately, we don't have Evan here today, but, you know, scheduling permits. We've got James here and he is going to lay it all out for us. So uh, buckle up and here we go. I'm not really sure where our start point is from. We obviously know the Buccaneers are cap compliant with the moves off of uh, yesterday, So we'll see where we pick up here in this thing. But, uh, James, the floor is yours. Yeah,
0: so we'll start with restructures. Um, Evan did have six restructures that were done, four of which have already happened. Vita Vea, Carlton Davis, Chris Godwin, and Ryan Jensen were all restructured already for the Bucks. So that's already four accurate moves from this battle plan. But Evan also threw in the restructuring of Shaq Barrett. And I believe he also threw in the restructuring of um, Shaq Mason as well. So that does create a little bit more cap wiggle room for the Buccaneers, not just for draft picks, but also for some free agency moves as well. So those were the restructures that were done there before the start of free agency. Then. In terms of releasing players, Evan did also make the note of Cameron Brait, Leonard Fournette. Those two have already been cut by the Buccaneers, but he did add in Ryan Suckup as a cap casualty to create a little bit more cap space. Rhett, uh, I'm sure that you guys have already talked about it on your show. I've talked about it a little bit on my show as well, is not official yet. So, uh, that is interesting. Thoughts on Ryan Suckup potentially being cut here? Yeah, I wanted to make sure we mentioned that at some point today. Expect the Bucks to make some more moves in the coming
1: days. I mean, we could finish this podcast and the first thing you hear about is Ryan Suckup no longer a Buccaneer. So, you know, the fact of the matter is, as big of a fan as I am of Ryan Suckup, we've always put him over here on the podcast. I do think he is a consistent kicker, which is what the Bucks have lacked for so many years. But the problem is just the range. And, um, you know, with this offense not being such a sure thing in 2022, you got to see where that range was leaving some points out on the board. And and with the Bucks only getting younger and less experienced at the quarterback position, moving on from certain pieces, uh, it makes this offense even more of or even less of a sure thing in 2023. So I, I can see the concern the Buccaneers have, and I do think it is legitimate. It was a... Not a rich contract for Suck Up a couple of years ago, but it was a decent salary uh for an NFL kicker. And I think if the Bucks can cut corners anywhere on this team, it's probably going to be at a position where they can get cheaper and better, which is not what you can say about a lot of other positions that need to be filled on this Bucks team. So as much as I like Suck Up, I, I do think this is an impending move that we should hear about here in uh within the next week or so.
0: Yeah, I mean you saw with Bradley Pinion, too. You know, the Buccaneers have moved on from some guys that, you know they they feel like they can get younger and a little bit more powerful uh and consistent in terms of their special team's abilities. So Ryan suckup may fall right into the same situation that we saw Bradley pinion in just last season. But one more thing that Evan did in terms of creating cap space was that he extended Mike Evans to a two year or extended Mike Evans two years to save ten point six million dollars. now, moving on to re-signings you do take a look here levante david he did evan did go ahead and bring him back two years ten million dollars a year but his 2023 cap hit is only four million dollars so levante david is brought back but besides that not a ton of moves here in terms of re-signings from evan you have keanu neal carl Nassib, Raheem Nunez, rochez nacho and deedren senate all brought back on one-year deals at the veteran minimum, and that to me, I feel like, you know, just to to analyze it here, I feel like that is overall pretty reasonable in terms of re-signings. I personally think you look at some guys like, say, Keanu Neal, maybe he has made himself a little bit more money here going into free agency, but we'll see at the end of the day. So those are the re-signings. Rhett, what are your thoughts on those? Yeah, especially along the defensive
1: line. That's a pretty solid lineup of reinforcements, uh, in particular, Carl Nassib. I, it, I've been no stranger uh, as to how big of a fan I am of Carl Nassib, even all the way back on it. You know, his first tenor as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. Um, I think he's a good rotational player to have. And, and I can't imagine that after last season, you know, he came in and was a rotational guy. I, I don't think he has priced himself out of what the Bucks can afford, especially because his market, you know, since that big deal he got with the Raiders, it hasn't really gotten any better with all due respect as a rotational guy. I think he is one of the better defensive linemen. Deidre and Sonat actually, he showed up and made a couple of plays last year where even myself was like, damn, how do you get in the backfield so quickly? You know what I mean? So again, when you talk about loading up on reinforcements, your second line of defense, if you will, uh, not a bad lineup, not, not a bad list of guys to bring back.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. I think that all the guys that were brought back, I'm a big fan of Keanu Neal. I'm a very big mm-hmm. fan. I think he could be a starting safety for you. I'm a big fan of Carl Nassib and Deidre Sennett. Senate. I think that all of those guys have really great ability, and you were able to bring back Levante David as well. Moving on to free agency, though, we have a couple of signings that were made. You have, firstly, cornerback from Detroit, Amani who is signing a one-year $3 million deal according to Evan you then have running back Rashad Penny signing a one-year $1.5 million deal I should
1: I should have known that one right from the start I should have known that was coming Evan has been such a big fan of Rashad Penny even since he was coming out of the draft all those years ago and I I think he is you know kind of an injury-filled year last year but I do think he is one of those capable backs who could be in the Buccaneers price range. And I think he'd be a perfect compliment uh, to Rashad White. It'd be the Rashad Rashad show.
0: Yeah, the only thing that I would disagree with here is possibly the price number there. I think the Rashad Penny might command a little bit more than $1.5 million, but I could be wrong about that. And then finally, um, well, there are a couple of more moves here before I get to the big one, because Evan does have the Buccaneers signing a quarterback. And the the couple more moves here is adding free agent Sterron Reed at defensive line, tackle Ty Nisheki at right tackle and safety Dion Bush all at veteran minimums. But the big name free agent that Evan has, or I guess I should, you know, big name, you know, big position free agent that Evan has is at quarterback where he has them signing former Washington commanders quarterback, Taylor Heineke.
1: All right. Ooh. Okay. All right. Let's, let's give it up for the boy. Cause I was about to give this whole thing a big old F minus. If you hit me with that other Washington quarterback, I'm sure
0: you saw the range of emotion in my face there. I did. I did. I I had to build it up a little bit. But look, he has he has the Buccaneers signing Taylor Heineke to a two year deal, four million dollars a year, one point five million dollar cap hit in 2023. Rhett, thoughts on these free agent signings?
1: I I think that's legitimate, Um, you know, especially Taylor Heineke. I wanted to talk about that first and foremost. You talk about legitimate competition for Kyle Trask. Um, This is obviously my bias showing a little bit here, but I do think it is true. If they were to sign someone like Gardner Minshew, I think there's a better chance that Minshew is your starting quarterback week one than Kyle Trask. But with Taylor Heineke, he has the ability to win the job. I just don't think he has the upside that a guy like Minshew would have. One, he's a little bit older, right? I think over 30 years old, if I'm not mistaken. He's been around the NFL, obviously did a lot for uh, St. Louis and the XFL to get back into the NFL, had that great game against the Buccaneers in the Wild Card round all the way back in 2020. That's the only reason he was on Washington's roster for so long. So I, I think this guy has that energy of someone who wants to go out there and play, wants to take that starting job from whoever it may be. And I think that's better competition for Kyle Trask. You know what I mean? Because Heineke is his has been through the rough of it. He he's kind of been uh I mean he's been unemployed. You know? He he really has. Um so I think that's great competition, especially for the price point. That's the biggest difference between those two guys as well. I think with Gardner Minshew, you have the opportunity to bring him in and potentially make him the future of your franchise. Because I think he's only 26 or 27 years old. So you know, that's a guy that could come in and have much more longevity. But as far as like, I guess just the matching the skill set of Kyle Trask, I do think Heineke would give him more of a uh, more of a competition. But I I like it. I I like it. I like both of those quarterbacks for Tampa Bay. And, um, you know, as far as what that cap hit is for 2023, that's what's going to be the most important. And I think Heineke would be a little more willing to budge on what his number would be. Um, than maybe a Gardner Minshew but at the same time with Minshew destined to be another you know a, a, another year of being a backup for the Eagles if nobody wants to bring him in it's like I don't know I I don't know what these guys are going to bargain themselves for I don't know what their price point is but um, I, I do think Heineke is more of a possibility for the Bucks than Gardner Minshew but I, I like it I like a lot of uh, I like a lot of what Evan what Evan brought up and I think you know, something else that is important to mention here as we start to wrap up is for anyone reading these battle plans, for anyone going out and checking out these mock off seasons for the Bucks, what you'll notice is a lack of blockbuster free agents, right? <laughs> like, you know, the 2021 off season, 2022 um, were were really exciting because it felt like you never had an idea of who the Bucks could could sign next, right? Like there were so many guys that were being brought in and a lot of them were big names, too. So it was like you kind of got used to the Bucks going out and getting these guys on a limb because there were even moments over 2021 and 22 where we're like, all right, the Bucks don't have any more money to go sign guys. And then they bring in Leonard Fournette or oh, they don't have any more money to go sign these guys. And then they bring in Logan Ryan or Keanu Neal. And it's like, OK, you know, we're starting to see the wheel moving. I, I don't think you're going to get as much of that this year. And that's OK. We, we've talked at nauseum about how this isn't going to be as blockbuster of an offseason for the Bucks, But, you know, a, a battle plan like that gives you a perfect idea of what we are in for. And unfortunately, for a lot of people who are uh, real tore up about the quarterback position and how the Bucks aren't going to have the greatest quarterback of all time next year, um, we kind of knew this was going to happen, unfortunately. But uh, I, I like it. What What do you think, James?
0: Well, we're not done yet. We still have a couple more things to go through. So we do have the draft. Evan did do the draft, and then he has a final roster, and then I will read his official statements. We're going to go through this pretty quickly, Rhett, okay? So here we go. Uh, With the 19th overall pick, Evan has the Tampa Bay Buccaneers selecting safety Brian Branch out of Alabama. And then with the 50th overall pick in round number two, he has the Buccaneers selecting Julius Brent, cornerback out of Kansas State. Now in the third round is where it gets interesting. He has the Tampa Bay Buccaneers trading back with the jacksonville jaguars the jaguars received pick number 82 and pick number 231 the buccaneers original seventh round draft pick and they receive the buccaneers that is pick number 88 and pick number 127 with that 88th overall pick evan has the buccaneers selecting wide receiver parker washington out of penn state Then in round number four, pick number 127, Evan has them selecting Isaiah McGuire, interior defensive lineman and edge defender from Missouri. Round five, pick number 154, he has the Tampa Bay Buccaneers selecting Keaton Mitchell, running back out of East Carolina. Round five again, this is one of the Buccaneers' compensatory picks that they just got a couple of days ago. Pick number 174, he has them picking Yaya Diaby, outside linebacker out of Louisville round six pick number 180 he has them picking Zach Kuntz tight end out of Old Dominion then in round six yet again pick number 195 he has them selecting Clayton Toon quarterback out of Houston round seven and I saw a lot of people in the chat asking where is the replacement at kicker gonna come in right here pick number 252 the Tampa Bay Buccaneers select kicker out of Michigan Jake Moody the official roster not a depth chart here Evan did go ahead and clarify that is as follows at quarterback you have Kyle Trask you have Taylor Heineke you have Clayton Toon at running back Rashad White Rashad Penny Keaton Mitchell and Keyshawn Vaughn wide receiver Mike Evans Chris Godwin Russell Gage Parker Washington Devin Tompkins and Kalen Geiger tight end Kay Danton, Co Keith, Zach Coons, and an undrafted free agent that Evan did not name left tackle Tristan Wirfs and Brandon Walton, left guard Robert Hainsey and Nick Leverett, center Ryan Jensen, right guard Shaq Mason, right tackle, Luke Gedicke and Ty and Secchi. So Evan did add those. Offensive line changes. He has Luke Gideke going over to right tackle. He has Robert Hainsey going over to left guard. He has Tristan Wirfs going over to left tackle. On the defensive side of defensive line, you have Jerron Reed, you have Logan Hall, Deidre Sennett, and Isaiah McGuire at nose tackle. You have Vita Veya and Raheem nunez Rochez Outside linebacker, Shaq Barrett, Jotron Shawinka, Carl Nassib, and Yaya Diaby. Inside linebacker, Levante David, Devin White, KJ Britt and he didn't have the fourth name on there but I imagine it would probably be an undrafted free agent to be named later at cornerback Carlton Davis Amani or you Julius Brent's Zion McCollum and D. Delaney free safety Antoine Winfield Jr. Dion Bush Nolan Turner strong safety Keanu O'Neill, Brian Branch and undrafted free agent long snapper Zach Turner punter Jake Camarda kicker Jake Moody now I wind it with Evans official statement here, which is as follows. I'm fairly pleased with how it turned out. It was definitely a challenge though and easily the most challenging mock off season yet. I don't feel great about restructuring Shaq Barrett but it needed to be done. I wish I could have improved the depth on the interior offensive line but had limited resources. Defense is reshaped with a new fresh identity giving younger players their chance to shine. Offense adds some speed in Washington and Mitchell was very pleased with the draft overall. Heineke comes in to compete with Trask for the starting job. It's not an ideal roster, but this offseason won't bring a perfect roster to Tampa Bay, and I tried to put the best team on the field that I could. So there you have it. There is Evan's official mock offseason. ret. I agree with what he
1: said about getting younger in certain positions because one of the things that I had taken away as you listed off that defensive line was, man, those guys are young. You know, when, when Shaq Barrett and Vita Veyer are the two oldest guys on your defensive line, um, you know, you're going to see a lot of younger players really try and step up and carve out a role in this Buccaneers defense. Also, a lot of big changes in that secondary. Like I said, kind of at the start of the podcast here, Sean Murphy Bunting, no longer a Tampa Bay Buccaneer in Evans' battle plan. And uh, Zion McCollum is able to hang on to that number four corner spot. But again, you see a lot of different names and um, I think the way that they address the draft is also pretty telling. You know, people get caught up in the hype of drafting a quarterback. But I think if the Bucks draft a quarterback anywhere in this year's draft, uh, it's going to be to replace, you know, Blaine Gabbert and potentially Kyle Trask as your QB three. And it's going to be a, a sixth rounder. Right. I, I think it'll be sixth, seventh rounder if they don't get their kicker in either of those rounds. It should be a quarterback. But I do like it. I think it brought about some of the best things you can as far as, you know, placing talent at different positions. Again, I I know the interior defensive line depth was a little thin and those guys are young, but it's not going to be perfect. And uh, there's going to be some holes in this Buccaneers team. But for the most part, you know, being able to keep Levante David and uh, I think having that second rotational defensive line that he did I think that would go a long way on a roster like that especially with the young guys the more experienced the better so uh you know something to keep an eye on obviously but but I like it I will give it give it a B plus what do you what do you think
0: You know I I you know just taking a second to put some thought into it I would probably give it a B I understand that Evan did have some limited resources there but for me, I would probably be – and, like, I'm not saying that I would be mad if – like, I wouldn't be disappointed if they brought in Taylor Heineke, but I would probably look to bring in a guy like a Jacoby Brissett or a Baker Mayfield um, at those positions. And, you know, you, you said it, man. Uh, a lot of guys are going to be gone, right? Like, you look. They're not bringing back Will Golston. They're not bringing back Sean Murphy Bunting. They're not bringing back Aaron Stinney. They're not bringing back – Mike Edwards, Anthony Nelson, some of those guys that could be, I feel, good rotational guys who probably wouldn't command too too much money overall. Now, I will say, I think that this is a pretty balanced team, all things considered. Um, I do understand where Evan's coming from, where he says he wish he could have gotten some more depth along the interior offensive line. I think that that was huge, but, um, you know, I I, I do think definitely some things could have changed in terms of quarterback and maybe bringing back some of their own guys as well. Um, But all in all, I think it's, it's a pretty solid team. Again, I think Evan did a pretty good job with it. I'd give it probably a B to a B plus as well. Um, Just because there are some things that I wouldn't personally look to do right away, but Oh, no, I feel like it is a pretty good battle plan there. And it it makes it keeps the Bucks pretty competitive with the limited resources that they have. And a lot of guys, a lot of young guys would have to be playing in this situation, which is also what is probably going to be going to end up happening as well.
1: Yeah. And and I think something fans can look forward to as far as these young guys that are going to be playing is that development. You know, excited to see what guys like uh, Logan Hall and Joe Tryon Shoyanka can bring to the table next season. We know JTS is going to take a couple of years to develop, and and we have obviously seen that happen. Had a bigger role last year, but still a rotational player at best. Um, he's going to be your bona fide outside linebacker opposite Shaq Barrett this coming season. So uh, we'll get to see what he's made of. Logan Hall going to get much more reps there in the middle as well to help out Vita Veya, if not line up right next to him. So I think... I'm just trying to think I'm I'm, I'm I'm think I'm doing a lot of thinking here which we don't do on the show. Um, I think that's everything we wanted to talk about today. I know it's been a little bit of a lengthier podcast. We truly appreciate everyone hanging out with us live over here on YouTube. Go subscribe to the channel if you haven't already for more great Tampa Bay Buccaneers content and make sure you check out my co-host James right here on YouTube at Mr. Bucks Nation for great Tampa Bay Buccaneers content. You can also check out his written work. At bucksnation.com, you happen to have anything you're
0: working on for over there? Yeah, well, not at bucksnation currently. Uh, we're obviously going to be getting into some more stuff once the draft comes around and things along those lines. But uh, just made a video today about the restructuring for the bucks and multiple contracts. There's a video going to be going out tomorrow, and we I don't believe we did talk about it, but and I, I don't even think Evan had this in his battle plan, but uh, Nick Leverett was Mm -hmm. extended an offer by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So that seems like that is going to be a pretty legitimate thing of him coming back and competing at that left guard position. So that is you know a thing that will be happening moving forward as well so um oh yeah he does have nick Leverett in here by the way so they do re-sign <laughs> nick Leverett. there you go i was wrong my bad evan if you ever watch this but uh yeah i have a video about nick Leverett coming out tomorrow I have a video out two videos out today one about the restructurings one about the compensatory picks that the buccaneers just got and uh yeah a lot of fun stuff coming up here in the next couple of days Awesome.
1: Last but not least, check out the show, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Cannon Fire Podcast, best place to go for updates on the show. And of course, Tampa Bay Buccaneer news as it happens. You can find myself, Instagram, and Twitter at Redicus, R-H-E-T-T-A-K-U-S. If you follow me, I will follow you back. But that's the show. Thank you so much to James for filling in for Evan today. Pleasure to have you and talk to you as always, my friend. Next time we talk to you guys, free agency will be underway. We'll get into some more detail about what the Buccaneers are going to do and uh, what changes have been made between now and then. So stay tuned. I'm your host, Rip Matthew, signing off for my co-host, James Hill. We'll talk to you in the next one. Until then, and as always, thank you for listening and go Bucks.